You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 700 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Ride IQ. On tonight's show, we start with the auditor book review of Horse Brain, Human Brain. After that, we are going to have a wonderful discussion about the new rules concerning bits with Beth Hayes, and then Tony Sandoval starts the new year off right for our trainer tip. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Can you believe it's our 700th episode? What? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a big number. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we need a drum roll. A huge, like, it's great. First episode of 2023, 700. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. You know, we haven't spoken in, in like three weeks. So I just wanted I to you check in how you're doing. <laughs> you know, no, we did speak. We did. It makes everybody think we never talk. We did talk actually quite a lot, but not on, on, on the show. But yes, it's, it's a new year, Phil. Are you ready for 2023? Um, no, not really. <laughs> I know. It, feel, it feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Been... I mean, I you know, normally this is a, you know, kind of a tough time of the year for me and you know, you, you always say call me grumpy Phil, but basically the days are very short and it's been very cold. We had a crazy oh. I, you know, snow snowmageddon for the holidays which put a real damper I'm on Canadian it. now. Yeah. I'm Canadian now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyone anyone in like the mid to north US can can now Feel free to come up and, and join join Canada because you got your very cold temperatures. So that was, um, you know, I've never felt anything like that. It was negative twenty five wind chill in Kentucky. I've never felt that. It didn't get above ten negative ten one day. It was unbelievable. I know everyone has their own stories, but whoa! I mean, I was like, Phil, I'm Canadian. Literally, all I texted was, "I'm Canadian now." <laughs> it's crazy. I know. I know. It is. It's a little bit hard. I think you know. Um, I, I finally made it to Florida. It's been uh, an interesting trip, but also part of, of the holidays and the travel and all the kind of things. It's been it's been crazy, but I think we're getting our sea legs underneath us. But um, yeah, it's it's starting to be people's kind of first lesson of the year, uh, and that is here in Florida in person. But also, um, you know, I teach virtually as well. So so I'm going to ask you, Phil, like what I've been asking everybody all year. You know, what are your uh, riding goals for 2023? Um, I'm not really sure. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay, so, that's fair. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm just going to tell you, you know, what, what's happening here is that actually this is a time of year where I'm not thinking forward yet. I just got to be, be a little bit in the moment. So, uh, and, and what I normally do is um, uh, pull the spurs off, put the whips away, you know, and then I've got to just get back to, you know, riding some um, basics, you know, basic reactions, basic patterns. You know, kind of starting from scratch, I sort of, you know, yeah. put it like yeah, I just I it. get on. It can be very windy, uh, you know, as it's been or, you know, there can be a lot of snow falling out. So it's just like, you know, try to get the horses to kind of focus and, and but still enjoy their rides a little bit, if you know what I mean. Like sure. not push on them sure, too much, yeah. but just like, you know, uh, over the, over Christmas holidays, we, we crank up the Christmas tunes. You know, we're just love it. Yeah. Just trying to. Spend some time, you know, with with positivity, you know, not not really goal oriented, just, you know, making sure everything works, that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's, you know, a good time because it's it's a hard you know, we had pretty decent weather till right before Christmas. Uh, then, then obviously it wasn't. But um, 
you know, same thing. Like I, I love that. I, you know, we put up Christmas lights and all kinds of stuff just to get, get it out for the horses. I think that's fantastic. And, um, you know, obviously now we're, we have to have a little travel time and the horses have to get down here and settled and all that kind of stuff, which is great. And then, um, you know, now we're starting to think, okay, now are some goals. We're starting to set some, some training schedules up now and starting to look at the, at the show schedule. So, uh, that's pretty fun, but, um, yeah, I have some horses I have really specific goals with, and then other horses, you know, they're coming back from injuries or, you know, one particular horse down here, I'd love to show him third level, but he's not quite ready. Uh, and then uh, big Mike is, is, has to really learn to passage down here before we show the I two. So, you know, there's some definite training goals that we have, I think also with showing goals this year, I I'm with you. I'm sort of formulating that, which I don't love that. I like to be able to say, I'm going to do X, but at the moment that's not possible. So, uh, with a couple of them. So I think that's okay. And, and we're just looking at training for a little bit, which is great fun to be in Florida and be able to train. That's why we come. So, um, so that'll be really fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Also, you know, just trying to continue my fitness goals with Tony. I had a consultation with Tony, just talking about some things that, you know, I feel like I've been making really good little changes. So I'm going to keep doing some little changes, which is great. So I like his approach of, you know, a little bit each week adds up, uh, which has been good for me. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to a great new year. We have new tests that are out and um, we're going to keep doing some reviews on those, uh, which will be fun. So uh, we're just glad you guys are joining us. We want to wish you a very, very happy new year. And as you're formulating your own goals, we love it and uh, keep it up. So we've got a great show for you. We're going to come back uh, after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products with our book club review of from our book from horseandriderbooks.com. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Feeding your horse starch-laden grains can lead to colic, laminitis, and metabolic disease. Today, nutritionists are recommending the use of high-quality fat to provide healthy calories. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It's readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of starchy grains. Replacing grain with a high-quality fat supplement reduces a horse's risk of developing health problems. Equijoule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. And best of all, horses fueled by Equijoule stay calmer and more focused on the job at hand. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijoule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so excited for our book review of our book club book, Horse Brain, Human Brain by Janet L. Jones. We have Gwen on the line. Welcome, Gwen. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, we're thrilled and you've you've gotten on the show and we love it. And um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, I have been riding on and off since I was little, um, but I just got my first horse uh, last year. And we just had our one year anniversary together on New Year's Day, which is a fun one. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, that's that's great. Thank you. So um, I actually started listening to Horses in the Morning um, about two years ago when I first started kind of thinking about getting a horse. And then I, um, when I got my horse a year ago, um, she was barely halter broke. So I decided instead of pursuing hunter jumper, which is what my background is in, I would start with more dressage and groundwork basics. And then my friend got me into this show and here we are. Fantastic. And you're also an auditor. So we'd like to thank you for that. And and you can tell us like how long you've been an auditor, why you like that program. Yeah. So I became, so I started listening to horses in the morning about two years ago. And I think I became an auditor like four or six months after that. Um, so my friend is, is an auditor. She's the one who, who told me about horses in the morning in the first place. 
So I started listening and then she was always like screenshotting pictures of the Facebook group and like funny memes that would go around. And I'm like, oh man, that's fun. And then, and then listening to horses in the morning, they're like, and now we're going to tell a funny story for auditors. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to hear this story. <laughs> um, so that's, that's how they got me. Um, and I've been hooked ever since. Well, that that's great. I like, should we give your, your friend a shout out? Yeah, Kelly Ald, also known as OB Ovation, because her Facebook got stolen. So she had to create another Facebook account under her horse's name uh, that nobody pronounces right. It's OB. Thanks, Kelly, for making me spend more money than I intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love it that you spend money with us. No offense, but no, but but for be. Because you're kind of a have your first horse, and I love that story that you've been doing that in the last year. Tell us a little bit about how this book was kind of helpful because it actually was really interesting, I thought. What did you think about the book? Yeah, it was so interesting. Uh, You know, one of the things I really liked about it in general was just that it was really user friendly. Like I'm an accountant. I, I took a psych class in college, uh, but I, you know, that's about the extent of my understanding of the human brain, but it was really understandable for somebody with no background in it. Um, so I loved that. And then just so many different parts of the book, like one part where it's talking about what the horse sees, like obviously their eyes are on the side of the head. So, you know, like they don't see exactly the same way we do, but then you don't really think about it or acknowledge it. And I remember at one point I had to do a lot of training to get my horse comfortable in the wash stall, but the wash stall is like, she goes in, she faces the open wall and then there's just white concrete walls all around her, like 10 feet high. And I'm like, why is she so, you know, skittish and weird and she's fine everywhere else. And I was just like, okay, we just have to desensitize this. It's for whatever reason, she doesn't like it. And then I'm reading this about how, like, she basically can't see anything except blank white walls, like floor to ceiling. And people are walking by her. There's kids that she can't see. I'm like, no wonder you're skittish. You're just blind. And there's just all these, like, people touching you and talking to you and walking by that you know are there but can't see them. Like, that would be terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I I like that it was, um, you know, I've kind of am interested in reading articles generally, uh, you know, more science-based stuff. And so, you know, for me, this this book brought together, you know, a lot of what I kind of learned from my parents and learned from coaches and trainers and, and all of this and, and brought it into a science based fact based talk in which, you, you know, you can explain, uh, you know, like you said about the eyes and how differently they see and how, you know, you know, right down to, uh, you know, the cellular level with like how they see differently right so and and it kind of brings your attention to to those aspects of horse training is like you know you got to kind of put yourself in the shoes of a horse but you have to have you know you have to have the explanation of you know how they see that that's how the book starts how do they see how do they hear oh another thing that was, was kind of interesting in that part of the book is like you know you just assume their horses everybody hears and sees better than us as humans but they actually don't right they they can directionally hear and see much better you know they have much more uh, expansive vision but they can't specifically see um, and hear m- more specific things and so that was, that was like all the, the you know all of the sound and all of the the sights come to their eyes and then they have to interpret it differently and uh, and, you know, because of the way their brain is built, they basically, you know, everything that they don't understand, they just run from, you know, they, they just get away from, you know, that that's how they're built and, and that's how they've survived so long. So no, no wonder horses are, you know, we put them in our environment like, oh, well, you know, you can see that fine where, you know, we're 10 feet from it, but they, they really can't. And so, you know, that brings more understanding to the interactions and the training that's going to that's going to happen. Yeah. And I especially like following up on that is the fact that like they don't have a prefrontal cortex, which is basically where all the decisions are made. So they're getting all of this input and there's no part of their brain being like, hi, I wonder what that new smell is. Or I wonder, you know, which cat is crawling up there in the corner. They're just like movement, go (laughs) like snap movement with no thought process in between, which makes me 
less mad at my horse for several instances. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's true. And, and, you know, actually I, my, my father's an eye doctor and my sister's an ophthalmic technician. And so is my mom. So eyes are kind of a big part of my, my world, uh, from a human level. So I actually quite enjoyed learning about the eyes of horses and how, you know, they adapt to like dark to light, uh, to light or, I uh, um, when, to color. I thought that was really interesting because I think we don't think about it that way. And at a lot of times, like even at the U S national finals, right. The horses have to go into a stadium with different light and a lot of horses freak out when they have to do that or, or, you know, um, Friday night lights when the horses sort of warm up and a little bit darker and then into a huge stadium with lights like that is really hard for them. And they have to learn that skill because they're not seeing it the same way we're seeing it. So I also thought that that was really, really interesting on it. And it does give you a little better perspective on how horses are and why sometimes when you're training horses that they may be funny with the way that, the, the way of changing or different proprioceptional things because of the colors. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating. It's kind of, it's an interesting read, I think, uh, for any horse person. And it, do, it doesn't matter if you're a dressage person or not. Wouldn't you say? No. Yeah. I also think like the general overarching theme of the book, I feel like is just to have more empathy for horses. Like they smell so much more, they see movement so much more, but colors and definition so much less. Like they don't have a decision, you know, a defined decision-making center of their brain. And if they do, we haven't found it yet. And it's not as prominent as ours. And, you know, they have so many blind spots. Like there's so many things I'm like, man, I really, sh-, you know, we all got to just be nicer and lower our expectations and be more appreciative of the fact that horses have no right letting us do any of the things that we do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's so much trust that needs to be put into a human for a horse to be ridden and and, and whatever, because um, like you said, they have no prefrontal cortex, so they have no planning skills. They're just very much in the moment and can be frightened by any number of things. And, you know, and they just have to rely on us and, and, you know, and just through training and, and positive training techniques you can teach a horse to do almost anything i've seen so so many different things you know trick riders and 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 whatever and it's so uh it's just so it's just so amazing the yeah other, they're the so generous thing, yes yeah and the other thing that that she was talking about is is about like horses they're not governed by emotions like riders are and they and you know a rider has a, a chance to make a plan and you know daily to to facilitate training but a horse has no idea of your plan and, you know, and it's, it's shown in, in, you know, like the way their brains work, they can't make a plan. So, um, you know, sometimes we say, oh, well, he just, you know, he did that because yesterday I did this and, you know, and, and, and whatever, but, but they have no planning skills. It's just, they're reacting to, you know, your, your previous training is, is built on day by day, but, uh, but that's about it. They aren't, you know, they don't hate anyone and they don't not hate anyone. Like, it's just there's no emotion, no planning, no reasoning, really, um, other than just all of these stimulus is just coming at them all the time. So we, we, we owe them a lot to uh, that they are, you know, their, their ability, their their superpower is that they're trainable and they, you know, throughout their entire lives, they're just looking to find ways to please please riders yeah i also loved like right towards the beginning she was talking about how you know both horse brains and human brains never stop developing and changing and, and growing new connections and getting rid of old connections and i think that's really important especially for like retired horses to remember like they can still be learning things they can still be unlearning things so just because maybe he's not riding anymore or not competing at the same level doesn't mean you can't still have fun with him or doesn't mean he can't still learn bad habits if you, you know, let that slip. And I thought that was really interesting, both in a good way and a bad way. Yeah, no, I think that was a great point, you know, how horses change and adapt. And um, I think it was really cool. I agree with you. I think it's, it's really uh, just, they're fascinating creatures and we work on them all the time as we're training them. But at the end of the day, like really working on all the other things is so important. So I love it. Is there anything else that you wanted to 
to tell other people about this book? It's an awesome book. I have it full. Of, there's like 50 sticky notes in it that I've already been like looking back on. I'm just like, oh yeah, that was a good point. Oh yeah, that's that's a good quote to remember for later. So definitely, I feel like it's going to be one of those books that I'm going to read like three or four times and get more out of every time. So really looking forward to maybe revisiting it next year and then getting more empathy for Sophie again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you're right. I think this is, this is a book that, you know, like that I've I've been reading it. um, But there are times where I'm like, gosh, I should really go back. And what did she say? And, and how will that affect this particular horse? So I agree. So one more time, the the book is Horse Brain, Human Brain by Jana L. Jones, The Neuroscience of Horsemanship. So I love it. And Gwen, thank you so much for your time and being an auditor of the Horse Radio Network. That's how that's how we pick uh, people to come on and review. We put it on, on the Facebook page. So if you ever want to uh, be a part of it, that's how you do it. But again, Gwen, thank you so much. And we wish you and Sophie lots of luck in 2023. Happy New Year. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Wow. We want to thank Gwen again for her time and coming on and reviewing the book. And we also want to thank horseandriderbooks.com, www.horseandriderbooks.com. They are fantastic and they are great supporters of our book club. And we hope you all enjoyed. The Horsemanship Radio podcast is dedicated to the advancement of great horsemanship throughout the world. Monty Roberts often stops by to present on this podcast, hosted by his daughter and legacy strategist, Debbie Roberts-Lauks. The show includes segments, tips, and interviews exploring effective training centered on the well-being of the horse. This multiple award-winning podcast has 1.6 million downloads to date. Horsemanshipradio.com, sponsored by Hands-On Gloves and Monty Roberts University. As a listener of the show, you might have heard us talk about Ride IQ. Ride IQ is a new concept for equestrian, and it presents a really cool opportunity, the opportunity for you to take a lesson with a top coach anytime you'd like. Here's how it works. Ride IQ is a mobile app for iPhone and Android with hundreds of on-demand listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top coaches across dressage, eventing, even the natural horsemanship, and sports psychology. In fact, I'm one of the coaches you can take lessons with with Ride IQ if you're not already tired of my voice. Whether you're looking to add structure to your rides, try new exercises, or build confidence, Ride IQ can help. With Ride IQ, you won't be waiting for your in-person lessons to make progress. You can make exceptionally productive rides on training days as well. Every membership automatically includes a two-week free trial After that, membership is just $29.99 per month. Because you're a Dressage Radio Show listener, you'll get $15 off your first payment after the free trial. Just go to rideiq.com to sign up and use the code DRS to get your discount. That's rideiq.com and promo code DRS to start having the most productive schooling rides you've ever had. Well, tonight, we are so happy to have Beth Haste from The Horse, of course, on the line. So, Beth, it is December 1st, or pretty close to December 1st, while we're recording this, and there's some new rules that are coming on. And and being the president of The Horse, of course, and you do a lot of bit fitting, uh, we wanted to talk about what are some of the rules that will be impacting TAC in the next cycle, because this is coming up, and it's this is really important. Um, we've been we've been kind of talking about it, but it is going into effect December first, right? That the French right. link snaffle will be illegal, right, or is illegal as of now, right? I know so it's mind-boggling, to, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to talk about when that. You think so, about it. Yeah. So can you tell everybody a little bit about this bit and why it's illegal, uh, etc.? Okay, the French link snaffle was designed, God knows how long ago, by some classic dressage person, and it was the most revolutionary bit ever made. It, the centerpiece was small enough, and the holes in that centerpiece took up almost the whole center thing, the whole centerpiece, and it probably was no bigger than Oh, I don't know, an inch and a quarter, maybe. And the object of that was the horse, no matter how much pressure was put on the bit, 
the horse owned that center portion of the bit. And they could place that center portion where it was comfortable in their mouth. And this was such a classic. But people didn't understand what went into that to make it the most perfect bit. And so they lost the design and they lost the understanding of what made the bit so great and started just making things that said they were a French link, but had no resemblance to a French link whatsoever. So finally, they had to say, enough is enough, I guess, and we're not going to let this be legal because there's no consistency. Yes. That makes so that so makes the, the bit, I think, originally was designed to really give the horse more comfort by lying absolutely flat on the tongue because, it, you know... The, it the, didn't the, actually... The holes took up the whole thing. So the horse could actually play with it and put it in a place because it was tiny and the holes were big and the horse could move it around and place it where it was comfortable in their mouth that center piece. And then also like a regular snapple, it was longer in the, um, in the side pieces and the French link was shorter. So there was less pressure, a much softer bit and the horse owned the center piece of that bit. It was classic. As, as opposed to maybe what the, you know, traditionally, um, what I know as uh, a Dr. Bristol, which is a very harsh bit, right? Yes, and, and, and if has... you look down at a Dr. Bristol, it's yeah. a plate, and the plate angles toward you, and then the more pressure, the more angled it is on the tongue and puts quite a bit of pressure on the tongue. It's not a... It's not a, a, not a nice bit. I mean, the French link is so yeah. soft and beautiful. And but, so, but but it's all, all in you know kind of the length of that centerpiece and you know um, yes. what what um, engineers were maybe not on purpose like the the cheaper ones were just made to look like a French link and then the more expensive ones were made to act like a Doc Bristol so some some of it was well, intentional and and some of it I, was I just, think they just lost yeah. the original design yeah I think that's really what happened is they had no idea in the end, what they were manufacturing, because they had no idea what the bit looked like to begin with. That had had metamorphosized itself to a point that nobody remembered what it was like, what it should look like. And that's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about bits and and I, and I have been to the Harem Springer bit factory, so I will, I will say that, but What's so interesting about that is that that's very different than, I mean, when you go there, there are artisans that literally go through these bits step by step. You see why they're so expensive because of how they're kind of handcrafted. But I think where you got into trouble uh, with any bit, and I think pay attention to this when you're purchasing a bit, right? When you are buying uh, typically a German company, uh, there, there are other companies, but the quality is really quite good they're but they're more expensive and you know uh, you're you're getting what you pay for essentially right versus something that's twenty dollars quality control Mm -hmm. you get Mm -hmm. quality control and the reason that like um springer and um a couple of the other ones maybe one other one is expensive is because they have uh better than 70 percent copper content copper is expensive Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. copper warms to the temperature of a horse's mouth and becomes more neutral. So that's why you choose a copper bit over a non-copper bit. Mm-hmm. And then you have the quality control. So every time you buy a particular bit, it's going to be exactly the same as it was before. Yeah. Where you can't say that about a lot of the stuff that I mean, for example, if you took a regular snaffle and you cut the link in the middle in half, and let's say you didn't want to spend the money to um, to uh, cast both sides. Mm-hmm. So you only cast one side and then you linked it together. 
Well, you no longer have a snaffle anymore. You now have an anti-lugging bit because they didn't understand that when you hang it in half, it's supposed to be even. Mm-hmm. So it's things like this and the quality control that are really kind of scary. Yeah. Because you're not getting what you're paying for. You're not even getting, uh, I don't know what you're getting. You're getting an entirely different bit, which is what USEF was faced with right. in this French link situation. Right. Is that anybody could throw a name on it, but that didn't mean that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that so, was the problem. And they've struggled with this over many years. Yeah. So definitely check your tack room and, and look and see, because some of these are just hanging around. I know there's been a kind of a campaign through a lot of officials that have been kind of walking around and kind of tra- telling people, but, you know, just kind of keep an eye on your tack room for sure. Um, I mean, but there's some other, yeah. and, and like we, and like we've always said is that, you know, the best thing to do is you, you, maybe you were riding a new horse with an old bit or, you know, you've, you've found, you found a bit that and it might work for the horse. I mean, that's not what we're saying, but, um, for it to be legal, like you should check, you know, at the first competition of the year and say, I just want to check that this bit is going to be legal for me to ride today late later you know later in the day and, and whatever and then you, you you know and uh and the official at the show will say yep that's legal or no that's mm-hmm. not legal and and you know bring 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 something else with you so that you can still show but um i think this is going to really be you know be a headache for officials and riders you know next year i think i think checking with the td on arrival is the most important thing they could be doing yeah so just to make sure, if anybody wants to send me a picture of their bit, they can send it to me at Beth at the horse, dot com, and I'll be glad to tell you whether you can show in it or not. Right. And if I right. don't know, I'll reference you to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what stewards right. are there for. That's what, really, yeah. truly stewards are, are really there for, um, you know, for, for help. They really are. You want to exactly. go see them, go see them ahead of your ride, not after your ride. After your ride, they can't too do late. much for you. Yeah, too yeah. late. That's you're already right. eliminated, they can. right? Because right. you yeah, rode in front of a judge and, and yeah. you know, it was an illegal bit. So it's not going to, it's not going to, right. you know. Yeah, but that's anything. anything. You know, if you yeah. or have a pair of spurs or, you know, whatever it may be, go, go ahead when you're checking in that day or before your ride. That's what they're there for. And they will help you or they'll just say, no, it's not elite. That's not right. And this is why. So um, yeah. I, I think you can't look at them as you have to look at them as somebody that's really there to help you. Yes. You and I yes. talked about that when we talked about show clothes. Yes. That you need to understand that the judge is there to help you. And the comments that you get from the judge is because she they're trying to give you some positive feedback and some help. Yeah. And you can't look at it as, you know, they're not there to help you. They are. Right. Right. I love it. So there are a couple more, right, that are that are. There's one more that I'm aware of. And I just heard about this um, this fall. And it's um, it's a curb bit. And they've been out there for I think they've been legal for 40 years. And it's got a mouthpiece, but the side cheek pieces actually spin around and that has become illegal Uh Mm. and it's not one of the hunting bits like it swivels in and out it actually goes all the way around Uh, is that clear yes yes it is clear and actually my sister long ago you put her horse in this this i mean we're talking we're talking many years ago now uh, and it was a great bit. So yes, well, exactly. It but had I think its place. There's nothing yes. wrong with it. But I don't know what happened that they now made that illegal. I don't. I don't have any input from that. I'd love to know why they did it. But uh, either even so, I mean, you, you can't use it. So that's the right. end of that. Right. But, <laughs> it's the end but of it that, has exactly. been legal for like forty years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, well. Um, and anything else that in, that's coming through that, that, I mean, those were kind of the big ones. Anything else uh, that we need to be paying attention to? 
Not as far as any. Those are the two big things. Okay. And um, and I think that people, um, a bit, I mean, a French link for crying out loud, everybody's gone to uh, the tax shop and walked in the door and said, give me a French link and they hand it to you and off you go. Right. So right, there's right. an awful lot of them out there. And I think mm-hmm. that they, you need to be paying attention yeah. because it could bite you. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. And uh, so that's not, uh, that's something that's going to affect an awful lot of people. I don't yes. think um, the curb is going to affect you as much on a lot of people. Yeah. They, you know, we didn't sell a whole ton of them, but we sold lots of French link snaffles. And you have to remember that the French link was uh, the forerunner to our three piece snaffles with the little nugget in the middle now. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where that came from. That was an evolution. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Some and even on that, you've also got some situations where those are really not consistent. So who uh, knows where that's going to go in the future? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you know? for sure. For because sure. we have people. There's, there's people making bits that have no idea what the bits should be like. Right. There's no. Right. There's no following a. You know. There's no book out there that says, "Hey." This is what a French link should look like. This is what a Moore's lot should look like, you know, and this is how it's designed. Those people are long gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. aren't around anymore. And it's going to be a few of us that kind of keep things kind of going in the in the classical understanding of bits. Right. Right. Excellent. Well, Beth, how can people find you online if they have questions um, on some of these new changes? Just contact me, Beth, at thehorseofcourse.com. Fantastic. And I well, will thank try you to so get much. to each and every one of them. Love it. Thank you so much. Listen, have happy holidays. You as well. Thank you. Well, we are so excited to have one of our favorite guests back, Coach Tony Sandoval, getting us ready for 2023. Tony, when did that happen? It's going to happen when it's going to happen. I don't know how fast, why I got here so fast, but here we are. I know. It feels like it was just the summer and now it's almost the holidays. It's crazy. So, um, but we're super excited. We're going to talk about kind of goals for 2023. So I'm going to let you take the reins. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite times of the year. Obviously for every trainer, we try to get uh, our clients in the best possible position so that they can have awesome years where they're, well, awesome seasons, I should say, where they're healthy, they're strong, and they're reaching all of their performance goals. So in strength and conditioning, we call this phase our off-season phase, because even though it's never really off-season for equestrians, more like a little bit of downtime, but this is out of the whole year, the time where you can invest in yourself and, and then let your horses maybe take it a little easier before the tables turn. And now the horse is in full training, getting ready for the season. And then a lot of people start to now take away some of their time for themselves and, and apply more time towards their horse. So for me, it's a great time to help people invest energy in themselves to prepare, prepare for the season. I love it. I love it. It's true. It's coming. And and I think you're right. I mean, it's a time that we also look with horses. Okay. What are the goals for 2023? So I love the idea of goal setting for ourselves and, and fitness and, and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a tough customer, everybody. Let's be real. Poor Tony has to really work with me. Uh, and I'm not easy, <laughs> but it, it, I push back a lot. I I'm, I'm that, I'm the naughty horse that doesn't want to do what I'm told, but <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> He's laughing because everybody it's true, yeah. but I love this because one of the things you're specifically good at and have been really good with me is setting sort of small, realistic goals that I can, that I can achieve. So when we're talking about sort of fitness and that type of thing, talk talk to us about that. How can we set some 
goals that we can actually achieve? Because <laughs> that's important. Yeah, so, right, right. So, first and foremost, there's the principle that I always adhere to is always making sure that you present a plan or talk about a plan with someone that is going to be very specific to where they're at in their fitness journey. Some riders and some athletes are a lot further along, and then some of them are very early stages, just trying to maybe add this to their uh, training for the year because they feel like this is the missing link or, hey, it's time to now invest in myself. Wherever you are, there has to be a plan that is set for you because if you just go and hop around social media and go, okay, I'm ready for fitness for riders. Let me see who this this person has for me. This Let me see what that person has for me. It is a recipe for disaster because nothing is targeted to what your goals are and where you're starting. So first and foremost, always try to find a resource where they're going to meet you where you're at. That way, the goals are whatever they may be for you, they are very clear. And then you can have a plan that is working specifically towards your goals. Now, when I say the goals, everybody will have different goals depending on their training programs that they've had in the past. Some may be, hey, I need to get stronger at X, Y, Z. So very specific. Some may be, "Um, I just want to be able to you know, be fitter. It's very broad because then them, they themselves don't have very specific goals. They just, because they don't know how to use the tool of strength and conditioning or of fitness. They don't know what they don't know. So they just, everybody, I guess it's a, it's a natural thing that people do. You just become very broad. So I would say step number one is in you, Look at your writing and see if, if there's something specific physically that you think if you were stronger in X, that that would help your writing. And I'm speaking just very specific to improving your performance. There's an improving your fitness component, uh, and that's fine. But I always like to put people in positions where you're improving your performance because that's the carrot that I think people will go for because more people will do things for their horse or for the, to benefit their horse than they will themselves. So I kind of use that to help motivate you at first to get you going on setting some goals. So how can you be a better partner for your horse? If your horse is struggling with this, what do you think you can bring to this partnership that can ease the horse's pain or help them in whatever lagging areas that they have that you won't be a burden, you're going to be a benefit. And then people start going, yeah, that's what I want. Okay, well, Let's set some goals up for that. So once you get that part down, that's tip one, right? Just to reiterate, set a goal for performance because that usually will help people when they don't have specific goals. Just how do you want to ride in 2023 that you feel being physically fitter can help? And then number two, it's always starts with the basics. I feel like if I went into any dressage barn at some point there, I would run into some type of poster that would have the German training system triangle up there uh, and you would have the foundations and it would go all the way up and in human training. And I, I never use human, <laughs> the word human is when I talk to writers because it's a horse <laughs> or human, but in humans, it is the same thing. You always have to start with the foundation. So my, the second tip would be make sure that you start with the sound foundation of walking for cardio, because that would be like hacking for humans. And then doing movements that are going to provide you for stability and mobility. So maybe doing some type of of class or having a program that improves the stiffness that you may have gotten to from not doing anything. Maybe you're not riding as much. Maybe you're not working out as much. So you want to start by moving and walking. Walking also, side note, is great to start reducing the stress throughout your life. Because if you're adding a stressor, which is fitness, to a body or a brain that already has the stress of life going on, the workout itself is something that could tip the organism over and be too stressed to get any type of benefit from working out. Because whether it's psychological or perceived or physical, like working out, stress is stress. So we have to find ways to lower our stress. And something very easy and manageable 
is to walk. Even if you just sign up to a gym and just go walk for 20, 30 minutes every other day or whatever time you have allotted for your fitness, that's a great way to start setting up your foundation. Walking to mobilize and stabilize things, to work on balance. So if it's the Pilates, if it's yoga, go to the classes that you feel are going to be at your level. Get body work done. Start getting some tissue quality to improve. So getting massages, it doesn't have to be sport. It can be something therapeutic. It can be anything that you feel, it lowers your stress and improves the tissue quality of your muscles. Because if you have good muscle quality, if your stress is lower and you start building a foundation of cardio by walking, now you can set yourself up for the next level, which is now actual strength training, resistance training, getting to a, a proper workout routine. Yeah, I think that's that's really that's really good overall. You know, what I was thinking about while you were talking is just how um, you know throughout in in my lessons, we come against uh, horses and riders that have very specific issues with, within the within the movements. You know, so uh, for example, a very tough movement for a lot of people is to make half pass. Uh, equal in both directions, right? So then, then as a coach, I'm sort of identify which is the weaker leg, and I can say to a person, "Hey, you know, we know what would make this easier, or to help your horse, you know, like that that psychology of how how are we going to help the horse improve, or you know, you know what might what might bring you an extra 0.5 in your scores on your right half pass is if you develop a little bit more." strength and effectiveness with that uh left leg let's let's just say it's a, the left leg is a little yeah. bit of a problem and and then so you i try to identify a specific leg or arm or something that they can go and they can go to a, a gym they can go to a trainer they can search online like how am i going to build a better stronger hamstring in training yeah. and then and then they're not so i'm not just saying hey you know, go work out, but like, here's what's going to help us with our, with our uh, half passes is you need a little bit of a stronger hamstring to help encourage the horse more away from that left leg. And then, and then, you know, people have a little bit uh, of a picture of, you know, and they come back to their next lesson and we say, okay, let's, you know, it's usually a week, a week away, but let, mm-hmm. let's take a look at that. Uh, you know, have we been able to improve your hamstring strength with that left leg and, and uh, you know, can we make a, a better half pass today? And, mm-hmm. and normally, you know, they're going to go ahead and they're going to, they're going to do it. And, 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 you know, we're going to get, you know, some, some positive results and that just feeds back into itself. But just to say, Oh, you, you need to just do more half passes. That doesn't help somebody uh, to achieve better half passes or, or, you know, w- whatever it is. Um, there, there are some, some specific, uh, muscle groups that need to be activated to, uh, you know, to be able to fix a, a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, I've been mulling over this, this scenario a lot in my head recently. And it's, it's the, the idea of the hobbyist and the person that goes and competes and goes to shows regardless of the, of what, where you're at and what you decide that you want to do with your equestrian, um, we'll call it career, you still have to devote time to your physicalness because even if golf is my hobby, I don't want to go out and do a hobby wrong or suck at it. I want to work at it. So at least it's, it's bringing me joy in the sense that I'm on this journey. I'm getting better. It's a new sport. I love the ups and downs. There's way more downs than there are ups, but the few ups keep me coming back for more. But I do the physical stuff. I stretch. I do all the things. So I think a lot of times when I talk about fitness, I'm trying to use uh, examples and I'm trying to use um, goals or, or paint a picture that both a hobbyist and a person that goes out and shows can both latch onto and go, yes, I get that. That's why when I come into every situation, it's, Let's build your foundation first, because even if you did the foundation, you're still going to be better on your horse or when you come back to start riding again. Then we get to the next level, uh, which is kind of sort of where you're going out. 
uh, failure where you're starting to talk about more specific things in your writing. Well, now that we built a foundation, now you can start implementing some strength training to this hamstring if we stay with that example. But now we know that A, the hamstring has good tissue quality, B, that the stress level overall is low, and C, with the cardio that you've built on, you can handle more work on that hamstring. So you don't get tired after one set of exercise and go, oh, that's it. That's all I got. Well, yeah, your cardiovascular was so low because you had no foundation of fitness. So mm-hmm. now at this next level, now you can address the hamstring, the hip, your obliques, whatever you're working on that can help that half path. Now you're able to do that. And I think people get very um, discouraged when you, you skip the foundation because that's not sexy. You're not going to get that on Instagram. I'm sorry, that doesn't get likes when I post those up there. But you know what, Will? <laughs> My cool little exercises that look flashy and, oh, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. I put up a sign, hey, you got, you're, you're rotating in your seat. Try this exercise. And I, maybe I should put in parentheses, in large parentheses, make sure you've gone through your foundational portion of your yeah. business because yeah. this yeah. won't work if you don't. But right. I, I want right. the likes. And I want the follows. So again, yeah. I am part of that. I, I am sorry, guys. I apologize. I, <laughs> it's I the same in horses, that. though, Tony. I mean, yeah. people want to ride Piaf and Passage. Well, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's yeah. so many steps that are going to... I mean, yeah, that's fun. We all want to ride that. Uh, do you want to do hours so, yeah. of work w- sitting trout with no stirrups? No. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's 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 how you will eventually go to Piaf and Passage. So I think it's really similar. Right. And, uh, for sure, um, you know, that, that isn't sexy, but I think that's where, at least before I met you, that's a hundred percent where I was overwhelmed. Cause I'm like, I am never, I'm never going to be able to do this. Like, this is too overwhelming for me. And, and I'm the kind of type, and we've talked about this before on the show, which is awesome. You know, we did a, we did a type of, of how my brain works and, So if I get overwhelmed, I'm just not going to do, I'm just like, I'm out. I can't, I can't do it. So it has to be fun and I have to hit little achievable marks and, Mm -hmm. and, and then I'll eventually get there, you know, and, and, and now, you know, we've been together working together over a year and, um, for you, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) but you know, I'm starting to feel what, why we're doing it. And, and I'm starting, my body feels better. And once it's, it, and then it, it starts to become a really helpful cycle. You know, I'm like looking forward to going to Florida and walking with my friends. You know, I think you, you, uh, oh, you see it's the same in horses and it's the same in any, any, any sport or really music, anything you, you're going to, that takes practice, you know? And I, and I think that that's really the way you do it and, and really don't think I'm going to, it's January 1st. It's a new year. I'm going to go run three miles. Well, you ain't going to make it. And if you do, you're going to hate yourself the next day, you know, but maybe go walk for your, find a walking group and walk for 30 minutes. Like that's a doable thing. And maybe by the end of the year, you can run your three miles. So that, that's yeah. exactly it. it. It all has to be, it goes back to that principle is know where you're at, know yeah. where you're at with your training and don't be uh, afraid or embarrassed that, you know, you're starting at block zero because that's still, that's just a starting point. It's not where you finish, yeah. right? That, yeah. that whole, yeah. I know it sounds very cliche, but it's never how you start. It's how you finish. And to yeah. me, I've gained to appreciate that coming from a sports culture, you know, in college and with pros where now I am working with more of what you would consider more of the layman or the private sector and appreciating the growth that people have. I find more joy in having someone that has never worked out and then they get to a point where they're, it's a huge milestone for them to do whatever they're doing, but maybe to someone else that was like, I took that, it took it a week for me to do that. But yeah. this person took a year, but it's still, it's gratifying to me because they would have never worked out and they were so intimidated, you know? And to me, it's, yeah. that's how you keep it a sustainable habit. And when you're starting off again, starting off with these small goals, first my foundations, then I'll go into now getting my workout in. But we get too impatient, right? We yeah. were in a society where we wanted, this guy is posting something about it's six weeks and, he's, and I'll be a Grand Prix rider. I'm yeah. going to do that program. And it doesn't, t- it doesn't take six weeks. 
I'm glad that you mentioned that we've been working for a year. And for that year, we've had these specific goals. Maybe if we compare our goals to anyone else, that wouldn't be fair. Our goals are our goals and we're accomplishing them. And that's the journey that you're on. And so I would never push anything on anyone that was not specific to their goals. And I feel like even moving to the next step of this, now that you have maybe your specifics down, is that the goal has to be important for you and it has to be manageable, meaning you and your coach talk about what is feasible for me to work on as how many days I can invest in this journey and what are the resources that I have towards this. Then that way you can have a goal that is obtainable because if you're going, I want to do this and I want to do this many pounds of fat loss and I want to be this strong, I want to do all the things, but I only want to work out maybe 30 minutes a week it's not bad. I'm not, the 30 minutes a week is great. It's better than zero, but let's readjust our goals so that we can be successful with with the 30 minutes a week that we have available. That way people don't get bummed out and quit when they don't reach the ultimate goal that they had, but only had so much to invest because we can still get to that ultimate goal. It's not going to take six weeks. It might take a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's going to take a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, mean yeah. I think that's, that's really good is, you know, having uh, an honest uh, assessment uh, and, and honest check-ins, you know, okay, well, we're, we're, we're achieving our small goals that are going to, you know, eventually lead us to the big goal. I don't know, you know, like we do this in the horse, horse, horse trainers, like, you know, um, you, you invest in young horses that have the potential to, you know, kind of go all the way or, or whatever, but but you know you have to start at square one, three years old, and you know eventually make it to PF Passage, maybe, right? You, you, I mean, right. you can't. You, but but again, you're just kind of you know hitting hitting some benchmarks, having some um, weekly, monthly, yearly benchmarks that are all like they all got to fall into place. And then you know sometimes stuff happens and life happens and whatever, and and you you get set back a little bit. That's no problem. You just come back into it, you know, get back into the program. Uh, you know, may, maybe it's a rehab program here, there, everywhere, but you're always on a pro, you're always on a way to advance your, you know, yourself, your horse forward and not making unrealistic goals for, for your horse and, and yourself and, uh, and, and keep doing the check-ins, you know, and, and that kind of thing. That, that's exactly it. And then what you'll find out is if you, if you follow these tips, the, it, it won't be just off season. Now you, you found a system that will sustain you for the season. You start recovering better. You're at shows and you're going, wow, before maybe I was doing one show every month, but now I feel like I can do, you know, however many shows within a month or you're recovering better from the show. I mean, you don't have the Monday blues where, oh, I had a show and now I feel like crap. Well, you know what? Strong people, they recover faster. So Monday, let's go back to work. I had a show, but I'm not as tired. That's because just the body's been used to the work. There's so many benefits from it. But if you start at it from a very foundational piece, you stick with it longer. And now it's going into the mid of the year. Now towards the end of the year, now you get to the end of the year and you're going, well, what's my next, what's my goal for 2024? I'm a lot fitter. How much can I push the next year? And that's when it becomes this awesome thing that you, that you created for yourself, because even any trainer can put the plan in front of you, but the plan is only as good as, as you are at executing it. So for me, it's, I'm building up. And I think a lot of trainers do as well, building up the person in front of us to give them the tools to be able to do that. It's, it's the patience. And I think that's maybe the theme of this is you have to be patient to go through step one, two, and three. But if you can, you'll have a very successful 2023 and you'll feel a lot better about your physicalness and what you bring to the partnership. I love it. Oh, as always, Tony, you are the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, you've been, you've been so helpful for me and, and, and your methods just really resonate and work. And it, it, it is similar as I'm listening to, to what Phil's saying as, as we train horses, it's, it's a very similar approach. It's a very slow, systematic approach. You hit one, you go to the next one and I love it. And I thank you so much. And I personally look forward to 2023 and our goals together. But um, we thank you so much for coming on the show and helping all of us 
this is a huge part of writing. And, um, you know, Phil and I both believe in that as well, as you really have to work on this. Uh, and especially as we <clears throat> get a little older, uh, it's, it's becoming more and more important in my life. So Tony, thank you so much. And how can our listeners find you online? Like always, I had a great time being on here tonight. Uh, listeners can find me on Instagram at Coach Sando Training, and the same for Facebook. And my website is CoachSandoTraining.com. Fantastic. Have a great holiday season, Tony. You guys as well. Well, everyone, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Uh, and if you have any suggestions for our new year and our shows, uh, we're looking forward to 700 more. <laughs> but um, <laughs> keep, them, keep them coming. We would love it. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think that the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and Ride IQ. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.